I was 16 years old, I thought that all Christians had no problems and wore oversized rugby shirts. Now, the rugby shirt came from that there was like only one group of kids in my high school that I ever really saw carry Bibles or talk about Jesus in public um, unless it was a curse word. And this particular little clique of Christians always wore giant oversized rugby shirts. So I just thought that that's how it was supposed to be. But the no problems thing, I thought Christians had no problems because that's how people talked and act. They acted like, well, if you have Jesus in your life, then it's going to be easy. If you have God at the center, then nothing's ever going to go wrong. Life is going to be simple. God's just going to clear the way for you to have smooth sailing and glossy oceans. And so when I first became a Christian, I expected rainbows and glitter to precede me everywhere I went. I expected life to suddenly become easy and smooth and problem-free. And it was very disappointing when a couple days after I had received Christ that that was not the case at all. I still had to take math tests by myself. God did not descend from on high and impart to me long division. I still had to memorize the formulas and the history dates and all of school. And I thought, this isn't exactly what I thought I was signing up for. But some people will act like that. And maybe they don't share their problems. Maybe people don't share their problems or struggles as Christians because they want privacy or, or any number of reasons. But I remember looking around at the Christians I know and going, you didn't really sell this right. You didn't really explain to me that, that life was going to be just as hard after Jesus as before Jesus. But the concept that Christ taught in the Bible is pretty clear. He said this in John 16, he said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, be of good courage, because I have overcome the world. Now, Jesus is warning us that life will be hard and pain's going to come. Thanks a lot, Jesus, you know, like you could have controlled, but he doesn't want us to be surprised by heartache. And this matters because in this life, we're going to have heartache. We're going to have struggles and we're going to have pain. And I have known people over the years that have walked away from their relationship with God because their dad died. They just walked away from God because their parents, who were also Christians, got divorced and they didn't expect it. They walked away from God because grandma got cancer and got really, really sick and, and, and died and they didn't want that to happen and they prayed and asked God for it not to happen, but it still did happen. And so then they think God must have abandoned them because he didn't come to their rescue. And so if we're not honest about life, about how the world really is, about how God's will is not unfolding perfectly on planet Earth, then people can be surprised by pain. But here's the truth, friends. The difference between Christ followers and everyone else is not the absence of pain. It's the presence of God. The difference between Christ followers and everyone else is not the absence of pain. It's the presence of God. We still go through hard stuff, but we don't go through it alone. We still have trials and heartache and pain, but we're not alone in those moments. We're surrounded by and wrapped up in the very presence of God. We have his peace with us. We have his wisdom within us. We have his love surrounding us. We, have, we can have confidence because we are his son or his daughter. Life still has rocky roads. Life still has struggles, but God never abandons us. And that's the difference between our life and their life. Going back to that verse in John 16 in another translation, Jesus is speaking and he said, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace 
in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He's gonna walk with you through the hard times. He's gonna whisper to you in the dead of night. He's gonna show up in the hospital room and give you peace and comfort from his presence. Deuteronomy 31.6 says this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord your God will go with you and he will not forsake you. So hard times, they do not always indicate God's absence and easy times do not always indicate God's presence because God is in both. God is with you when it's easy and God is with you when it's hard. And God uses the process of hard and easy life and junk and storms and all of that. God uses the process to build your faith and to build trust between you and him and also to develop character. Case in point, Joseph in the Old Testament. Not Jesus' stepdad, the other one. The guy with the colorful coat, right? So Joseph was born as the favored son of his dad. His dad, okay, awkward moment. His dad had four wives at the same time. That's messy and weird, and we don't encourage that in any way. But in the olden days, there was weird stuff sometimes. So, so Jacob had four wives. Two of the girls were sisters, okay? Drama, right? But anyways, we're, yeah, there's cool. You should read the Bible. It's very adventurous in there, okay? So there's, there's this guy. He has four wives, and they together have 12 sons, but one son is his favorite son, and that's a young man named Joseph. And Joseph is highly favored over his brothers, and because he's his daddy's favorite, he... He gets a little cocky. Now, I could tell you this story from the Bible and it would be fun, but what would be more fun is checking it out kids' church style. So let's take a look. The Faithful Hall of Fame, Joseph. So this is Joseph. Hey! You see, Joseph was the son of Israel and Rachel. Israel loved Joseph more than all 12 of his sons. In fact, he made Joseph a coat to show him how much he loved it. <laughs> when Joseph's brothers saw this, they hated Joseph. One night, Joseph had a dream. When he awoke, Joseph told the dream to his brothers. He said, listen to this dream I had. We were gathering grain when suddenly my bundle of grain rose up and all of you bowed to me. This made his brothers hate Joseph even more. And they said, you're going to rule over us? Then Joseph had another dream. And he told it to his brothers and his father. He said, listen, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. This time Israel heard the dream and rebuked Joseph saying, will your mother and brothers and I actually come and bow down before you? The brothers were even more angry when they heard the second dream. Israel, however, decided to think about what Joseph was saying. 
One day Joseph's brothers were working when they saw Joseph coming to meet them. One of his brothers mocked him and said, here comes the dreamer. Come on now, let's kill him and throw him away to be devoured by a ferocious animal. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. One of the brothers named Reuben wanted to rescue Joseph, so he said, let us not take his life. Instead, throw him in the pit. Yeah. So when Joseph came to his brothers, hey. they attacked him. They took the robe their father had given Joseph. They hoisted Joseph up and threw him into the well. Then they saw a group of men from Midian coming towards them. Judah thought it would be a good idea to sell Joseph to these men. So the brothers sold Joseph to the merchants for 20 shekels. The brothers then took the coat of many colors back to their father and made him believe that Joseph had been killed. Israel wept for his son whom he loved. Meanwhile, Joseph was taken as a slave to Egypt to work in the house of a man named Potiphar. For Joseph's story was only just beginning. So let's be honest, Joseph is kind of a brat at this stage of the game, right? He's self-centered, he's arrogant, he rubs his favorite status right in the face of his brothers. And it doesn't really seem like he has that much character that belongs to someone who's going to eventually be a leader of his nation. Instead, he has no confidence in God, he has no confidence in God's faithfulness, and so Joseph needed to learn these things. Joseph needed to grow up a little bit and endure a little bit of life. And that's exactly what happened. Now, was it right that his brothers beat him up and threw him in a well and sold him to some Moabites that were going to Egypt? No, clearly that's wrong. You may not do that to your siblings, even if they're annoying. I'm sorry, Emily. I know that was disappointing. But the truth is that if we are going to be used of God, if we're going to fulfill our purpose that God has for us in our life, we have to learn some important things. And one of those things is that we can trust God no matter what, that we can be confident that God's going to be faithful. And we have to like lose the chip on our shoulder or lose the arrogance that sometimes, or in Joseph's case, came with youth. We have to endure some hardships and see God faithfully lead us through. And that's exactly what Joseph needed. So Joseph got sold as a slave, and then he was serving as a slave, and he was actually, quite frankly, crushing it, doing a really great job. Also, apparently, he was hot. And so after a certain amount of time, I'm serious, his slave, only, like the dude that owned him as a slave, his wife, it straight up says in the Bible, you should read it sometime, it says that she wanted to sleep with him. Okay, so he must have been... Smoking hot, okay? I'm just gonna throw it out there. There was something about Joseph and the wife of his owner wanted him. So she pursued him and he rejected her advances and then ran away. And then the wife of the master accused him of raping her. And then he went from slave, which already sucks, to dude accused of raping wife in prison. Okay, so his life was bad, and now it's way, way, way worse. So now he's in prison, having been accused of rape, and nobody cares if a slave is in prison. There's no trial. There's no, did that really happen? Is there any DNA or fingerprint evidence going on? Like, he's just basically in jail for the rest of his life. But then God sends some people along 
And Joseph begins to serve them and minister to them from a place of humility instead of pride like he was with his brothers. And he's promoted in jail. And then he's promoted again. And he finds himself in a few years standing in front of the king or the pharaoh of all Egypt interpreting a dream. And as a result, he is made second in command of all of Egypt. And then guess what? His brothers and father come to buy grain and bow before him. And his dream is fulfilled. But his dream isn't fulfilled when he's a snot-nosed kid. His dream is fulfilled after he's taken some hard knocks. His dream is fulfilled after he realizes, man, life got difficult, but God was faithful. His dream was fulfilled after he realized, I went through hardship, but my God was faithful. My God never stopped loving me. I went through pain, but Jesus was right beside me. And once Joseph started to learn those lessons, then God could put trust on him, and God could allow him to step up as a leader in a whole new level. And that's what Joseph experienced, and it was so important for Joseph to go through this process, because God does this same thing in our lives. He uses struggle and he uses heartache to develop confidence in who he is rather than as Joseph had in himself. He uses these hard times to show us that that he himself, the Lord, is faithful. And he uses this to show us what he's able to do, just like he did in Joseph's life. Now, over the last year and a half, I've watched these lessons of God's faithfulness being fleshed out in the life of one of our own. A junior from Grand Junction High School, Rachel Hooper, has lived this over the last year and a half, so I invited her here to share this part of her story. All right, so 2020 was by far the best year of our lives, right? Yeah, fire spreading all around the world, a pandemic that ruined school and everything that made teenage freedom fun, and on top of all of that, a lot of our parents lost their jobs. Literally the best year ever. Not. I'm sure some of you are thinking, Rachel, why are you even mentioning 2020? Can we just like put that in the, in the past and forget about it? And honestly, yeah, I would love to, but I think there's something that we can all agree on. Each and every single one of us had our own fair share of the worst year of our lives. We struggled with school. Many of our parents lost their jobs, as I had said, or we had struggled to find or keep jobs. It was scary. And our country was splitting apart, left from right, up from down. Now we all have stories we can share, but I wanna share with you mine. The year started off amazing. January, we were just hearing of like some fires in Australia, but I was thriving as a sophomore at GGHS, so go Tigers. And (laughs) by February, my whole friend group and I were as tight as tight could be. There were school dances, pep rallies, and life was as fun as teenage freedom and fun could get. And then my 16th birthday came. So yes, I passed my driver's test, got the keys handed off to me, and off I was listening to Shake It Off. Shake it off, shake it off, oh, oh. I know it's a good song, whatever. (laughs) And then I was off to who was once my best friend's house. See, I've been dealing with that, guys. Like, what the heck? (laughs) That day was March 12th, the day before everything changed for everyone. The whole world shut down and panic went loose. And you would think that would be enough for me and my family to handle, just like the rest of you. But I can say that what I went through and what my family went through was a literal living hell. Now, I won't go into all the details because we would literally be here for hours and you really wouldn't believe everything of my 2020, but I will list it out. 
March 29th of 2020, my mom broke her ankle, and that really stunk, and my family tried to help her get her back on her feet and deal with the pain and get her encouraged for the next months to come. But on April 18th of 2020, my sister almost lost her life. She was rushed into emergent surgery that if we had not had her in that day, she could have gone septic and died. She was sent to Children's Hospital on care flight of May 18th, of 2020, a month later, and I was home alone. I drove in the middle of the night to my grandparents' house, unable to comprehend that she was in this sort of detriment in her life. I cried night after night, screaming after God, please, Lord, don't take her from me. Do what I know you do best. Perform another miracle. Keep her here, please. She did come back home, recovering and exhausted, and on June 10th, my father, went into the hospital for the same medical emergency. My soul was crushing, my body was weakening. How was this even possible? And two days later, I was driving my sister from my grandparents' house at 2 a.m. from a fun grandparent's sleepover back to my house to bring her to my mom because something was wrong again. I kept my grip tight to that wheel that night, speeding honestly a little too fast because I wasn't sure how much time I had left and honestly, how much time she had left. She was admitted to the hospital at 4 a.m. that morning, and I woke up in an empty house again. Father and sister both in the hospital, not to mention that somewhere in this mix, my pop-pop, Pastor Dan Hooper Sr., who preaches over in big church, was also in the hospital recovering with heart issues. All of this at the exact same time. This can't get worse. This can't, right? There's no possible way that this can get worse. And as I saw my whole family, my whole life, my whole world crashing down around me, I crashed down to my knees on the floor of my kitchen and screamed and begged to God, why us? What is going on? Please God, tell me what is going on? And I heard him say in a small whisper in my heart, declare worship over this and I will work on your behalf. So the only song I could think of, the only lyrics that came to my heart, I screamed and cried out to him, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. Just like how I declare worship over my battles when I sing up here on stage in 4640. That's what I did all alone in my house that night because that's what our God does. He saved my sister's life time and time again that year, and I had trusted him to do it again for my father too and for my pop-up as well. And God delivered. James 1-2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, many of you in here are probably thinking, what? Why? I that like stinks. Like I don't want to have to face hard stuff. I don't want to have to rely on my faith and my faith alone. I want everything perfect. Like I just don't want to have to deal with all that. And honestly, me too. I don't want to either. But here's the thing. James explains right afterwards. He says why we should consider it pure joy. James 1:3 says, "Because you know that through the testing of your faith comes perseverance." Through the testing of your faith comes perseverance. So testing your faith builds faith in order for you to handle other situations that you couldn't without the testing of the faith to build it up to get stronger to that point. Now, another way that I can put this in a language I speak is the language of CrossFit. So those who know me best, they know that I love to worship God, serve Him in kids' church on Sundays, and I love to CrossFit. So 
How CrossFit works is you basically have to put your body at high amounts of intensity and weight and cardio in order to get it faster in endurance and everything so you can have better muscle build and be able to get faster and stronger. But you can't get super strong pulling like a 400 pound deadlift if you only show up to the gym pulling like 15 pounds. There's not enough strain and struggle, right? Have any of you had like a really tough workout? Because I know I for sure have, yeah, yeah. You know that afterwards you feel like super sore. It doesn't feel good. But after time, you're able to build up muscle, so you're able to lift heavier and heavier weights, or you build up your endurance, so you're able to get faster, so on and so forth. Your faith is the exact same way. My faith was tested so it could be strengthened for events that would occur in the future, and God had saved my family. He had healed my sister, my father, my pop-up all together, and I stand by it with everything in me that my family is a miracle. Them being here, alive, and in one unit is a miracle. So, God prepared me for the death of my Jima on November 8th of 2020. Her death completely devastated me, but I clung to God through that. And God prepared me for when I shattered my femur on March 28th of 2021. And I was then transferred to Children's Hospital on care flight and underwent a life-threatening surgery on March 30th of 2021. It is a miracle that I am alive today. That surgery very well could have killed me, and the shock that my body endured during the whole experience was something that I could not have gone through if it weren't for God. The doctors were really warning me and my family of the blood loss that I was about to face during the surgery. They had like these seriously, like serious looks on their faces, and they were just telling me of like all these blood transfusions and these crazy machines just to keep me alive. And the entire time that they were talking, I was at peace. Because I knew God wasn't just gonna take me out like that. <sighs> my faith was on solid ground, and my God was gonna save me just like how he saved my sister, and my dad, and my pop-pop, and healed my mom, and healed my heart after the death of my grandma. So, by miracle, I didn't need a blood transfusion, and I didn't need a machine that would work my blood for me. I woke up from that surgery ready for the next chapter in my life and ready for whatever else God wanted for me. Although I needed rest, and I definitely still do, God blessed me with a titanium rod in my right femur that would protect my right femur for the rest of my life. So I can continue to do any activity I choose. This was all a blessing. So yes, everybody, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that through the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That does not mean that it is going to be easy or something that is enjoyable, but praise God and cling to him. Every single time that your whole world is falling apart or you're going through something that's a struggle. And by the way, God doesn't just wanna test you and torture you and make you have like the worst life ever. He doesn't wanna see you in pain. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So I know this sounds really cheesy, but everything does happen for a reason. And God is here to build you up and prepare you for the future. He wants to do fulfill your dreams. And guys, his plans for you are much greater than any plan that you have for yourself. So tuck into him and praise him. Ask him for wisdom and protection. He sees you and he loves you. So if you are in a season right now, your whole life is just falling apart. 
you're struggling, your mom and dad are fighting, getting a divorce, maybe your grades aren't doing good, you're struggling in your friend group, anxiety, depression, whatever it may be, reach out and tuck into God. Trust Him, have faith in Him, and stick through it. He's going to build you up to be an even greater and stronger child of God with ever-growing, stronger faith. Remember that His plans are for good, not for disaster, and you can always lean into Him and trust Him. Because, remember, when you have gone through a tough like, season, when you have faced something tough that you don't think you can, you can go through, God has brought you through it, He's done it, and He will do it again. So declare it. Jesus will do it again. He will bring you through it again. He will save you, and He will do it again. Why does God allow pain, suffering, heartache? What's He trying to do? The Bible tells us that God's will, God's perfect plan is not being done on earth. That's why Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, pray, let your kingdom come, Lord, and let your will be done. That lets us know that, that the things that happen sometimes are they're not God's will. Because in this world, we're gonna have trouble. So God didn't cause the, the heartbreak, God didn't cause the brokenness, God didn't cause the pain, but what he did do was redeem it. He took that heartache and he took that pain and he pulled Rachel in close during those times. He built her faith. He built her trust. He refined and smoothed out her character and developed maturity in her so that in the future, she could stand up and lead. So that in the future, she could know no matter what is gonna come that God's still not gonna fail me. Oh yeah, what you got next? Like literally 2020 was what you got next, right? Trial after trial after trial after trial, but each time God proved faithful. And students, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what this moment, this week, this month looks like for you, but no matter what it is, I know this. God loves you and God is faithful to you. And just like he took that heartache and he built it into something beautiful in Rachel's life, he'll take that heartache and he'll build it into something beautiful in your life as well. But you and I, each one of us, we have a choice. When our heart hurts, do we hide it and cover it and turn away from God and say, God, why? And blame? Or do we open our heart to the Lord and say, look it, I'm broken, I'm bleeding, I'm hurting, and I need you to show up in my life, God. I need you to walk with me through this pain. I need you to show me where you're at. And so right now with every head bowed and eye closed, would you just search your own heart? And if you recognize in this moment, you're going through it. You're going through one of those trials, one of those hard times, those heartbreaking times. And you need God to be right there beside you. You need God to do it again to do another miracle. And he didn't, he didn't pull Rachel out of any of the problems. 
but he walked her right through the dark valley of the shadow of death time and time again. And if that's what you need, I want you to know that God loves you just as much. He's aware of your hurt and your heartache and your trial just as much. And he's just as present and he's just that whisper away. And so if you realize you need that, if everyone's head bowed and eye closed, just lift up your hand, I need God. I need him to rescue me from what I'm going through, from my own private hellish situation. I need him to shine light into this dark place that I'm walking and I need God to show me that he's faithful because I'm hurting, because I'm hurting right now. So many hands, so many of us are in this boat. And so God, in the name of Jesus, we just ask that you would release your presence into our painful places. You would release your presence into our heartbroken spots, that you would prove to us all over again that you are faithful and you are worthy of our trust and that we can walk with you through every trial. And that you're faithful. And God, we ask, we ask that you would do it again. Yes, God, amen. We'll see you do it again. We know, God, that you're faithful, you're true, that your promises are yes and amen, that what we have seen you do in the past, you will do again. You never change. You never change, Father God, and what you've done before, you will do again. And we thank you for that. Go with us as we go out today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.